morning, everyone. It's Judith A. Copey listening to Mad Love. Happy Throwback Thursday. I'm going to throw back to uh, an interview I did a couple of weeks ago with one of my friends. She's a teacher. We went to Howard University together. She is uh, a really fascinating person. And while she loves teaching, she sort of struggles with some of the changes that have happened over the years as, you know, family structure has just been destroyed in some uh, some areas. Uh, students don't have two-parent households, and it shows. There are also some socioeconomic issues, and uh, it's interesting because she's not in what I think many people would consider, like, the worst school district. So um, as long as we fail to address these issues, we're going to keep seeing uh, our kids being challenged in ways they shouldn't be challenged and teachers having to deal with things they shouldn't have to deal with. Um, but they will going forward because there's no way we're going to we're gonna fix it overnight, you know. So my suggestion was two teachers to each classroom with a social worker. Um, and I'm sure people will balk at that, but... We need to change the school day. Um, There's strong evidence that children of a certain age aren't awake at a certain time. I think high schoolers really don't do their best learning until 9 o'clock. And also, why why are school hours so different than working hours? You know, most people, even if you do have two parents, most parents now have to work. Both of them have to work. So why aren't we addressing that? Why is this, you know ancient school system that was created you know what 75 years ago 80 years ago when people worked on farms when it made sense um why can't we fix it and why isn't everybody learning coding like we learn math so those are my observations but this is uh kim and i having a conversation and uh hopefully you'll enjoy it throwing it back Hey. 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 Woo, it worked. <laughs> okay, I've so had, I have you on speakerphone. Is it okay? Yeah, that's fine. I've had mixed results with uh, phone, uh, calling people on the phone and getting my recording done, so I'm super excited. Yay. Yay. So I sent you two questions. The first one's just short, which okay. is what what would yourself now want to make sure the 25-year-old version of you knew? Okay. Like, what does that version of you need to know? And this is my friend Kim from Howard. And just for the record, I know about 100 Kims. So there, there could potentially be a bunch of Kims on my show. So just <laughs> FYI. Like, what would the young kids need to know that you you feel like I got to tell her this? Okay, so if I had to step back and talk to twenty five the twenty five year old Kim, I think one of the biggest things I would say to her is, or ask her, I should say, is what do you want and that seems like a very simple question but yet it's a very 
um, hard question for most people to answer. What do you want? And hmm. um, I would ask that question, and upon answering the question, it would I would tell her, okay, make a decision about what it is that you want, and then put everything into moving in that direction. And I say that because you can ask a person that. 50, you know, what do you want? And people will tell you what they can do, what they've done, what they like to do. Mm. It's real hard for people to say, answer, what do you want? And um, and at 52, I'm still asking myself the question a lot because it's so easy <laughs> to kind of fall into the norms of everybody. And if everybody's doing something and moving in a certain direction, you know, trends and things, and that's kind of what everybody's doing. But it's like, no, what do you want? And, you know, we graduate and end up in jobs uh, because of maybe the, um, somebody told you you should, you know, follow after this or that. Right. And people jobs that they don't even like. So it's like, what do you want? Well, and, here's, uh, the, here's the wrinkle to that because I think that's a, a good statement. And maybe I'll change the question going forward, like what would you okay. just like to say? to your 25-year-old self, but here's the wrinkle to that. Um, a lot of times people don't believe they deserve what they want, so exactly. they <laughs> take themselves out and, exactly. and wind up exactly. living some inferior version yes. Yes. of their exactly. lives. That's because... why I would ask the question. But I think you may have also been asking me what would I say, and I think the one thing I would say to the 25-year-old version is, Nobody really cares about you as much as you think they do. Not care in a way, not, and I don't mean care in right, a way. Right, not of in a mean way. Loving, but I think so often we uh, shrink back from things and we shrink, you know, from attempting and trying new things or, you know, because we, we care about what people think. But in the grand scheme right. of things, most people really don't care as much as you think they do, you know? But what if I do, yeah. what if I cut my hair, what are people going to think? Well, what if I wear this, what will people think? What if I move here, what will people think? People don't really care as much as we think they do, you know? Right. We fear their judgment. And yeah. the, re- the reality is I was watching this thing the other day with uh, Brene Brown on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. If you get it, if you haven't seen, you should check it out if you get a chance. But uh-huh. basically, what she was saying, God, somehow I lost my thought. <laughs> oh, basically, what she was saying, it's not your fault. It's my age. What she was saying is, don't listen to people, people's judgment who aren't doing anything. So uh-huh. if someone's not trying to change their life and they're not out here trying, then don't. It doesn't matter what they think. Exactly. And so. Yeah, most people usually like to keep you in a comfort zone because yes. it makes them feel good. Like, don't cut yes. your hair because if you cut your hair, then I'm supposed to be thinking more about my thing, and I don't want to. Don't exactly. go take a new job because if you go do that, then I'm supposed to be taking a new job, and I don't want to, you know? Yep. So, yeah, I think that's good advice. I do think most people don't care as much as we give them credit for caring. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of ticking over 40, I think. I think once you get over 40, you realize, you know, people are basically kind of full of shit, and they just talk a lot. They don't really care what you do, really. <laughs> no, to your point, they do. They just really want to keep you 
keep you kind of fenced in is what I, I, I like to think of it as. And I hate to say that parents can do that sometimes. You know, they, do, they want to keep you fenced in, and um, they do that by causing you to second-guess yourself about decisions, you know. It's like, well, I would have never done that, or, you know, fearing that you're going to fail. But you don't right. have that sense of fear, but they try to, you know, fence you in. I definitely think that's true, and we can do a whole nother podcast on that, and we will. I've been meaning to have you on show for a while, and we do share some some uh, common issues with our uh, moms that I think a lot of people have that it would be fun to crack open that, but not today because we can. We've been on the right. talk about that for like two hours. Right. <laughs> And it's not yes. about bad mouthing our moms. It's just like, no. oh, okay, this is <laughs> this has been problem. that experience. So, yeah. but for this podcast, you're a teacher, yeah. and uh, in the interest of full disclosure, we just had coffee. And what's funny is you're like, what are we going to talk about on a podcast? I'm like, but we never not talk. Like, we always have something to talk about. And I think if if people understood, so I personally think education. Uh, needs to be modified for where we are in society now. And one of the things we talked about, well, I definitely think curriculum, I also think hours, mm-hmm. I think school schedule, like going year-round mm-hmm. would be more appropriate for where we are. Because people are, you know, our lives have changed significantly since they came mm-hmm. up with this structure. But you were talking about how you can see at uh, young ages that, basically some of these kids are going to just wind up in the criminal justice system. It's education is almost a feeder system for some kids. Yeah. Yeah. How does that affect you on a day-to-day basis? Like how do you not get discouraged? Hmm. Uh, Well, I will say there are good days and then there are tough days. I don't even say bad days, but really tough days. And um, it's hard not to get discouraged because, you, to your point, you can see at seven, eight, and even as young as six. You can look at a six, seven, or eight-year-old, and you can see that if their path is not rerouted, that they are more than likely going to enter the criminal justice system. And it's sad because as a teacher, you know, I've, I've gone to school, gotten degrees on how to instruct how to teach, and so many of the kids um, that I see today, they need something else. Like, I even think schools should not start in a traditional way, you know, to your point, of us teaching um, the way that we have for 20, 30 years, coming in, having the same plan of attack every day, may not be what kids need today. I really think that kids today work not all school districts and schools, classes, but most kids need to come in every day and kind of have a, a kumbaya, so to speak. And it's like I think kids have to kind of get things off of them. Kids come to school hungry. You know, mm-hmm. kids come to school, moms have said some inappropriate things to them as they have gotten out of the car. They watch things, you know, that night. I have kids that are up all night with uh, infants, and they're in second grade. You know, and they're taking care of babies. So it's like I think kids need to kind of like uh, peel layers of of stress. They don't even know what stress, but peel layers of life off 
because before they're even open to receive from me. So I come mm-hmm. to school and I'm ready to just teach, but they're like, wait, I need to take this stuff off first. You know? Right. And they're kids. That's they're I don't kids. think kids are being kids. Sounds like because I, you know, that's a lot. It is taking care of an infant in sec- from yeah. second grade. And I watched like the one little girl I'm referring to. Um, she'll say, like she said yesterday, she was falling asleep during my lesson. But I know why she sleeps. And I'm like, uh, honey, wake up. She said, I'm sorry, I was with that baby all night. You know, like, there's no reason she should be taking care or having to have any responsibility for right. a two year old at eight. And she's sleepy. Right. So That's crazy. Um, but not that she would be one to enter the, the criminal system, as you asked. Right, but, but that is uh, a lot of responsibility. It is. But I do see, like, my young boys that are fatherless. I will say that the boys that don't have strong male um, figures in their lives, those are the ones that I really see headed in that direction, unfortunately. Yeah, that. But And that's the thing that's so frustrating because we know what the issues are, and yet I don't feel like anybody that I'm aware of, which, of course, that doesn't mean I'm aware of everything, but I don't feel like there is a movement, uh, a front that can effectively deal with this issue. We know what the issues are, but nobody really seems willing to talk about it at this mm-hmm. point. And you it's know, almost you- like Really, back to your point about how how schools are set up, like, for as many teachers that we have in certain schools, and I have to say, like, inner city schools, for as many teachers as we have, you know how they say, well, there has to be, like, a 15-to-1 ratio. There should almost be, like, well, for every 30 students who need a counselor. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I agree with that. cannot attend to the needs of the kids, I mean, in each and every class. I mean, they're overwhelmed. So it's like if you got, you know, so many kids, you 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 have to have so many counselors to really help kids flourish. And, I mean, I never really thought of that until I just said it, but um, I think we would really help schools a lot. I think that would be – I think there are probably two teachers to a classroom and a counselor yeah. would be a crazy – wouldn't be crazy, especially as culturally um, families have broken down and mm-hmm. you, they are so overburdened and yeah. they they don't have partners and two-parent homes and uh, financial security, there's food insecurity. So in a way, I think kind of LeBron James school model um, mm-hmm. is thoughtful and um based off of his own experience. But, yeah, when you have a family that's insecure financially, uh, there's not a lot of food, um, and you can't make people stop having kids, obviously. Um, no. But if you're going to be in that situation to, you know, have a food pantry, like, that is just so thoughtful to me. And I get why people – Americans are pretty punitive for people who don't have any money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So we have to ignore this phone because it's not my phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, we, we get upset with people, you know what I mean, like, because they're poor or whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's not really 
I don't think it's preposterous to want to be able to help people like that. You know what I mean? I think it would be okay to say, oh, let's try to help them, you know, find some food. You know, but I get why people wouldn't want to do that, but, when And this is what I've seen over the last 10 years, okay? So, for one, I agree with you wholeheartedly with having two teachers in the classroom because when I see that a kid is really hurting, you know, for whatever reason, or I see a kid hoarding food, or I see, I mean, I see all these things happening at times, but because it's just me, oftentimes it's like I have to kind of like put it on the shelf, like like just kind of put it, right. put it somewhere. I know it's happening, but I can't really deal with it right now because I'm teaching and I've got, right. you know, eight kids. But I will say this, um, year one when I started teaching, there might be this one kid in the class that I knew was struggling financially, you know, whatever. I would sneak food into their backpack if we had an activity and there was, you know, oh. extra treats or whatever. I would just put them in their backpack. Nobody had to know. It was maybe one kid, okay? So 10 right. years later, there's like eight. And it's like I can't do that for all eight kids. You know what right. I mean? Right. So then you're the cafeteria. Yeah, I get it. But I think that's where the negligence comes in because obviously people have gotten more poor, uh, low income. It takes so much more income to do, you know, just the bare minimum now. Yeah, so exactly. And this has been a steady decline, I think, in middle class and wealth uh, disparity for the last 40 years. And then a city like St. Louis, which has hemorrhaged jobs. I mean, the city we grew up in does not exist anymore, not just city, county. I mean, this whole region is so different. Um, yeah. There's just no stability uh, in black middle-income family. Like, you just don't hardly see them. You're either doing well or you're not. Mm-hmm. Or you're not. There's not a lot of middle ground. So yeah. I would imagine it's discouraging and frustrating because socially, and no one seems to really be addressing these things. That's the thing, you know, yeah. that makes me frustrated because it's like I don't want to talk about reforming the jail system before I talk about uh, this part because we know that this part is the feeder system in a lot of ways <laughs> for criminal mm-hmm. justice. So. In my opinion, how come we're no one's really charging into this? Because mm-hmm. of the teachers' union, maybe? People don't want to mess with that? I don't know. But it, it needs to get fixed. It does. And I think the other If we're going to lose a good teacher, it sounds like you're ready to like, move on. You know what? If you look at any type of um, studies that kind of show the percentage of, say, quote-unquote, new teachers who would be teachers less than, say, five years, I mean, there's a mass exodus from mm. um, that profession. People are leaving, and a lot of it is just stress, you know, and, you know, teachers having to deal with um, disrespect and level, I mean, ways that we could not have ever imagined happening when we were kids. We cursing out teachers, cursing out kids in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's disrespect that it makes me want to do things that I would lose my job for. You know, like a little person 
cursing you is like crazy. And I'm going to tell you this. The other thing, I used to think that teaching had become hazardous to my health. Wow. Because, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, like if you're at work for seven hours a day and you have two or three, well, last year I had a class of maybe, I'm going to say maybe 17 kids and only five kids came to school ready to learn every day. So that left the mm. balance of the class every day, all day, just disruptive behavior. And I would just have to maintain a sense of calmness, but I could tell that it was affecting my health, you know, because you have yeah. kids that, you know, get upset and throw over, you know, push over desks and throw things across the room. That's uh, it is, and it would. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, although I was kind of like, you know, managing my composure because kids are watching me. On the inside, my heart is beating like crazy. Right. Because that's chaos. That's even worse. You know. Sure. So I think you know, kids. I mean, teachers to me really work under very hostile conditions. And some days I really ask myself, why do you do this? Like, who who would be crazy enough to do this every day? But I love teaching. I love kids. So, um, right. But I feel like you wish you were in an environment where you could just teach, not yes. um, heal and yeah. Oh my God. Have to address yeah. all the bigger issues socially. Yeah. But the other thing, you know, the healing piece. It's it's sad when you see like these. Some of these kids have amazing potential. I mean, just they could be anything they want to be, but if the environment, <laughs> right, ah, uh, uh, is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like absolutely. You know, you lose a kid just because they have parents that don't really know how to guide them. It's like you got a gold mine right here. This this child is brilliant. This child is so artistic. But without, you know, proper guidance and encouragement, it'd all be for naught. And those are the kids that I really don't, that, that I don't want to miss. And, and, and so when I see the gifts and the talents, I have so many conversations about, you know, what they can do and who they can become. Because if they don't ever hear it again, they'll hear it from me. No. Well, that's why you do it. Yeah. And I think that's important because you you are redirecting someone's life, you know. Yeah. Uh, I have a story from on an opposite perspective. I had a teacher who, you know, I went to a Catholic school, and so in order to go to Catholic high school, you had to test in at, at that time. I'm not sure if it's still the same. But, you know, on my parent-teacher night, she looked me and my mom in my face and was like, you're not smart enough to go to the school you want to go to. And I was like, What? <laughs> and I always liked that teacher. And uh, this was the first time me and my mom were on the same page. We just got up and was like, forget her. You know, if this is where you want to go, just go. So I tested and I got in. And, um, wow. I, it was, yeah, she was like, they want the cream of the crop, and you are not the cream of the crop was the full statement. So it can work both ways. I happen to come from wow. two pretty uh, strong parents of lots of structure, 
You know, it may not have always been warm and fuzzy, but there was lots of structure, and they cared about my education. Yeah. And, um, that was a priority. So for her to be like, well, you're not that smart, I was like, uh, lady? Wow. <laughs> you wrong. Yeah, the nerve. Right. But, see, but you just touched on one thing, too. You said your parents cared about your education. Mm-hmm. And, um, so let's go back to, like, having parent-teacher conferences, and I got to, you know, have a class of, say, 19, and four people show up. What does that say? It definitely doesn't convey care. Yeah. And I think that's part of the bigger issue, the bigger problem, and no one wants to talk about that either because it's prickly and it uh-huh. sounds judgmental and harsh, but a lot of people it's have true. kids that shouldn't be having kids. Yeah. It's not a a sport or a hobby. It, I mean, it's, Hello? Yeah, like they – It's work. And I hate to say this probably sounds – and don't judge me, and I hope your listeners don't judge me either. Don't but judge us. Sometimes, don't judge me. But sometimes I've looked at parents, and it, it's like they treat their kids like animals. They feed them. They provide them shelter. That's it. Mm. That's yeah, it. that's it. And I give them a place to sleep. But the interaction, the communication, the affection, the love, the all of that that really matters, they don't get. I mean, it's, it's not there. And obviously clothes. they never got it either. Nope. So they don't know to give it. Yep. So we and are basically like, living. more to having kids than that. They need more. Absolutely. It's almost like we're living in some giant social experiment where some people get food and love and shelter and care, and some people get get shelter and that's it. And then then you've got that X factor group that gets nothing, and they're just like feral cats or something. Mm -hmm. And you know what's interesting, the dynamics in the classroom, and this really isn't what we're talking about, but um, I can tell by, say, month three, I can tell you who has a stable home environment, be it mom, dad, not necessarily dad, because a lot of times I'm a single mom, and I try to raise my son in a very structured environment. But um, you can tell the kids who are really clingy and needy and need a lot of, you know, affection, uh, they're very different from the kids who have uh, that at home. They don't need that. They can come to school and they're ready to just, you know, sit and do school. Those other kids, they really crave the attention, the affection, all of that. And you can tell by month three who they are. I'll tell you a quick story, and then we'll probably wrap it up um, because I know you wanted to keep it short, and we're already at 25 minutes. (laughs) But um, we – this neighborhood that I'm in now, my mom bought – my parents bought this house, uh, you know, 50 years ago, and it's changed because you used to have to be married and have income, and, you know, the neighborhood that I grew up in was – you know, working class families. Mm-hmm. Um, and now a lot of those people have passed on or sold the houses or whatever. So a lot of people rent the houses. And so mm-hmm. somebody's mm-hmm. section aided their house across the street. And there were like five kids in there and a, and a woman, um, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming was the mom. And we had a lot of snow this winter. And there were mm-hmm. two of the boys were outside playing snow. And then right mm-hmm. next door to them is a young family. 
I grew up with their parents. And so um, it's a father, a wife, and two young kids. And the father was out with his little boy playing in the snow with the baby. And these two kids from the uh, Section 8 house, they stopped playing and stood and stared. They were transfixed by this father playing with his son. And I felt from across the street, looking out the window, that how deeply they craved that. Mm -hmm. And it just made me so sad for them. Yeah. Um, They wanted that so bad. And, you know, you know how hard it is to stop like a a five and a seven-year-old boy from playing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they just stopped in their tracks and stood there and watched that. And it just kind of broke my heart for them because if they're craving it in a snowstorm, they're craving it all the time. Mm -hmm. They really need that attention and that affection. And I just wish people would be more thoughtful about when and who they have kids with. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I know it's naive, but (laughs) I just wish people would think about that. Oh, good luck. Don't laugh at me. Yeah, good luck with that one. I agree, but we're not cynical. (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge. Yeah, because you see people coming in the school like baby number seven or eight, and and you're really thinking, really? (laughs) I know, right? With the cost being (laughs) what it is, that should be prohibitive enough. Hello. You know, but we're not talking about people who give stuff a lot of thought, I guess, because I, yeah. the, the money alone. I, I wanted to have, I want, I wanted a big family. Like, I wanted three or four kids. I wanted a house full of kids, and I ended up divorced early. And I always said, well, you know what? I could adopt, because I really wanted to have more kids. And, um, but you know why I didn't? Mm-mm. I didn't feel like I could afford it. Right. I was like, you know, I believe that. My teacher's salary with my son, and I'm like, this is, I'm kind of like, you know, at the end, like, okay, what's left? Like, why would I <laughs> add another? I was like, why, why would I stress myself out like that? Why would I do that? Right. So, do the math. Stop having right, babies. Right. Do the math. <laughs> I was like, no, it's just a few dollars left. I don't think that's enough for one more piece. I'm the same way. I thought, well, I was raised to think you had to get married to have kids. And as the religious aspect of that peeled away from me, I still thought it was a better idea to have a structure, to have a family. So I didn't get married. So, uh, and the guy came closest to marrying. I mean, I love him. Just talked to him yesterday. Great human being. But financially, I just didn't feel like we could have the life that I wanted. And I'm like, and these kids cost money. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I'm not going to halfway do it. I'm not going to make sure. Exactly. I'm going to, I want to give them a good life. Why would you invite the struggle? Like, I don't know. (laughs) I know. It's something when it's just like, nah. I'm not going to create that for myself. Yeah. Well, as usual, it's been a delight chatting with you. This is like, for the podcast, it's only been 30 minutes, but for for today, it's been like hour two or three. I know. <laughs> I 
but I've always wanted you to come on the podcast, and I know if I apply myself, um, we can come up with another uh, good topic or even expand on this one if you want. But I appreciate mm-hmm. you saying yes. Enjoy no your cloudy, pleasure. rainy Saturday. I know. I'm going to stay in and just take care of some stuff today. Oh, all right. Well, it sounds like you need to recover from your work weeks all the time. So you do that. Just just take I some new time, maybe meditate a little bit. Yes. Sing, sing right. an old Negro spiritual. <laughs> 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 and get ready for the week, girl. Uh, <laughs> all right, Kim, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye bye. Like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. So the first first goes by the girl who can have any dude she wanted in the world. Now you might think I'm exaggerating, but I swear she got every mystery salivating. She the broad on pause, that'll have you waiting. And at first cause, she's acting mad patient. Investing time and money, we call that dating. You even had a good time and think the match made it. But she a player, heart slayer like Darth Vader. You was unaware, dumb and care, heart aching. She had side niggas, lies, trick and slide with it. Her disguise was hot and in plain sight, nigga. Now she got you looking foolish with a dunce cap. Pussy been tripping, wishing she would come back. She got your balls on the wall with a thumbtack. Never again, I've been never done that. Say, hey Zeus, dude, how you living? I say, hey, I'm cool, but really, I'm tripping. Man, I really think I need a vacation. Cause the paranoia got your boy straight anxious. And this feeling is getting old, it's very ancient. It's a violation, so I gotta make sanctions. I gotta go against the green and make changes. Cause this annoying paranoia is dangerous. Like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, so why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Now the second verse is about the world The current state of affairs, they make me want to hurl They run in the education system like a business The kids listen to social media, they only interest Racism, oh racism The pain of slavery and segregation stay with them But I see so many biracial babies, I say in them I guess our core beliefs are poison with snake venom We fighting wars on terror, but the error is that We really fighting a war against ourselves Take a peer in the mirror, it becomes clearer How money has America like a whore Getting nailed, politicians feeling stealing from the people like bandits And got is missing like the secrets of Atlantis. If you like me, you're looking for an answer. The truth, they took it for a ransom. Got a bounty on it. Wanted. FBI. The truth. <laughs> Yo, uh. Why I 
I feel like this, yo, why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, yo, why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, yo, why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. Why I feel like this, yo, why you feel like that? Man, I feel like crap, I feel paranoid. And I don't give a damn if I get called out. I still wanna live crisp and ball out. I don't want the world like the game of Fallout. I guess we just better call Saul now. And we can change up like a curveball and get it popping a strike out in the worst off. We got a black infraction, so I make the first call. So when I do doubles off on me like a nerf ball, cause it's our best choice and it'll feel good. Like when the sex moist, yeah boy. So I'm hoping for the best, like going over on the bed. I'm just blowing over stress like your composers for a stretch. I won't go for phony stuff like golden holding open beds. Poses focused on the neck. Yo, let's choke them on the dead. No, I'm joking more or less. Just throw them over one unless they go and vote for more. Yes, hold your head up for success.